The Nashville Flame lives in Nashville, Tennessee. And by the way, that's his real name. It was legally changed to that several years ago. He was born in Cherokee. He's 36 years old, an escape artist, a stuntman, and he was in Brevard preparing for a performance when he saw the news about the Asheville kidnapping. This is National Demystified. I'm Alex Steed. Typically, this show is one in which I get to know the city better by talking with the folks who live, work, agitate, and make art here. Nashville Demystified is made possible by Knack Factory, a video and content production house with offices and production facilities here in the city, and by We Own This Town, a collection of podcasts produced by Nashvillians. Quickly, though, before I begin, I'm working with the storytelling event series Mortified to kick off an event here in Nashville. We'd really love for you to be a part of it. Please go to getmortified.com, click participate, and when you submit, hopefully you will submit, select Nashville as your city. I'd love to see you there. Oh, and hey, we are on social media and all that. Like us, follow us, subscribe wherever subscribing to podcasts happens. Do the whole thing. It really does help. It lets people know that this is a real thing, and I appreciate everything you do. So the show is normally interview-based. We've got some really incredible interviews slated for the coming weeks. Today, though, the show is a quick meditation on one of the more interesting and notorious characters I've encountered while free-falling down a YouTube rabbit hole, one I'd never heard of before, I should say. And this rabbit hole specifically is one focused on Nashville in the 1980s. Later in the episode, I'll share a bit of an extended fever dream sourced from said free fall. And putting it together, I ran across the so-called Nashville Flame. Now let's start with the name. The Nashville Flame is an alias of an alias. It belonged to Johnny Sands, not the well-known actor, uh, but the country singer slash stuntman who was born Arnold Smith. Smith, a.k.a. Sands, a.k.a. the Nashville Flame, passed away in June of this year because he shared a professional name with someone who is arguably more famous. It can be difficult to find reliable information about him. Outside of knowing, based on poking around online, that he had a daughter born in Nashville, I can't really get a full picture of what his relationship is with the town. A 2009 Twitter account, where he tweeted just one tweet, suggests that he lived in Nashville a decade ago. I understand that he lived here in the early 80s, and he had a career in country music, but he passed away in Florida. Uh, As far as I can tell, the Nashville Flame was a name offered to ensure protection from the potential blowback uh, from those his act of bravery would, you know, make vulnerable, uh, in particular vulnerable from the legal system or a gop against the legal system. So I keep talking about the Nashville Flame, Nashville Flame, Nashville Flame, but who is this person? Why is he significant? (laughs) Why are we hearing his name over and over? Here's what happened. Back in June of 1982, Paul Wilson Bear, AKA Papa Bear of Laurel Springs, North Carolina was found guilty in the Ornob mine murder case. Everything that takes place here, by the way, I should say happens around the Asheville, North Carolina area. The details of the case are a little convoluted, but basically a biker gang murdered some people over some drug money. Biker Gang was overseen by Paul Wilson Bear, or maybe a splinter of a Biker Gang. 
There are a number of salacious details, I should say, in Eve Levine's book about the Hells Angels, including details related to sex slavery. But anyway, uh, there were supposedly uh, some bodies in the Ornob mine, uh, mine, excuse me, which had been abandoned since the 1960s, and authorities were unsure of how they'd recover said bodies. Joseph Vines, a police informant who super tall and super bald, called himself Kojak, had the information on the bodies being tossed in a mine, but the mine itself was super unstable. Federal mining officials declared that the mine was too dangerous to send men into and provided special video equipment for checking it out without sending men down, but they gave up after a couple of days, suggesting the operation was too dangerous. Seemingly out of nowhere comes Sands, who, using the pseudonym The Nashville Flame, again, presumably to keep his potentially murderous crank-peddling biker gang adversaries out of his jet black hair, he comes on the scene and he says, I'm a stuntman. And uh, he's happy to, uh, government mining officials be damned, be lowered into the shaft by Crane. Sands was a stuntman. He'd worked with actors Robert Conrad, Peter Fonda, Kurt Russell, and perhaps you've heard of this one, Elvis Presley. And in addition to all that, he had been a country musician for the past decade. He'd been in the area for a performance. Local authorities took him up on this. Uh, so basically he heard that they gave up on this search and he felt strongly about it. And he just walked in and said, hey, I can do this. Wearing a ski mask to conceal his identity, the news was on the scene. He was lowered hundreds of feet into the shaft. After several descents, he came across two bodies which were frozen in the ice at the bottom of the shaft. Uh, one belonging to a person named Gamboa, uh, another belonging to a guy named Forrester. Uh, Gamboa and Forrester were frozen so stiff that they had to be dug out of the ground uh, and they were contorted from the fall and frozen into said contorted shape. And so authorities weren't even able to fit them into body bags. These are sort of maybe unnecessary details, but they, they paint the scene. Later that year, Papa Bear and associates were found guilty of kidnapping and murdering the two. Bear was reported to have said that there were nearly two dozen bodies buried in that mine, although authorities said that if there were other bodies in the mine, they couldn't find them, and they ordered the pit filled in and permanently closed off. In a Nashville news clip from the time, the Nashville Flame, a.k.a. Johnny Sands, a.k.a. Arnold Smith, can be seen in uh, jet black hair, which at, he's 36. It seems like this can't possibly be his actual hair color. <laughs> but he's got jet black hair, aviators, a satin jacket, and an elaborate beaded necklace. It suggested that his name was legally changed to the Nashville Flame, which I imagine now was done to keep his identity preserved since he felt like he had to fear for that. To the camera, he says the following. The real reason that I did it was because of the justice involved. Uh, that this is our country, uh, narcotics and murder is dominating the world. And to prove to the younger people that, hey, narcotics and murder is not the way. For his work on the case, Governor Jim Hunt of North Carolina uh, celebrated him. He was also honored by the Lions Club International, St. Jude's Hospital, and the Shriners Burn Center, and many states for performing stunts for charity, in addition to doing what he did here. The only other time I can find use of the name the Nashville Flame is three years later when 
Sands sues the National Enquirer over a spread featuring his stunts for which he was not compensated. So he said that he had put his life on the risk for a spread that never ran. It sounds like the National Enquirer, at least as far as Sands says, had suggested that he do these stunts, they would do a spread, it would help make him famous, but they didn't run it. And in his suit essentially said he needed millions of dollars because he put his life on the line uh, for no reason at all. For one of the stunts, he says he was chained to the handles of a motorcycle. A sack was placed over his head and he drove through an 18-foot tunnel while he was drenched in gasoline and then set aflame. In poking around for more information about Sands, I found, as I noted earlier, that he passed earlier this year. I also found that Sands had what has since become a bit of a notorious run-in with a UFO in 1976. So on a January evening in 1976, the 30-year-old Sands was in Las Vegas to promote his first country western album. After visiting several radio stations, he was driving home and he noticed the sky began to change. 20 miles from the city center, Sands noticed that he was being followed by what he thought was a blimp. He thought nothing at first, but then his car engine cut out. He got out of the car to investigate and the blimp had in fact been following him. So now he notices, you know, in front of this car that's not running anymore, that there are two people following him, or at least what he thinks are two, two people, and his car lights come back on. And he sees that these are not people, they are humanoids. He wanted to move, but he reports that he was paralyzed. He, he wanted to get out of there, but he could not get out of there. In an interview, he'd say, body-wise, uh, the humanoid he'd been approached by looked, quote, fit as a 21-year-old, but in his face, I don't know, something gave me the idea that this guy was 300 or 400 years old. It was a very powerful face, not ugly, just powerful looking. More on the humanoids from Sand's perspective. They floated, uh, their heads were bald, they were totally hairless, they had jet black eyes and flattened noses, their mouths did not move when they spoke, they wore black silverfish, all-encompassing overalls with no visible seams. Later in their encounter, one of the humanoids would brush against his arms, allowing Sands to feel the, quote, rough, heavy-duty sandpaper texture of the strange fabric. And so upon arriving at the Las Vegas Police Department, they weren't having it. They were like, no, (laughs) we're not going to deal with this. So purportedly, uh, they sent him to the Nellis Air Force Base and specifically uh, the Office of Special Investigations. About all this, I should say, Sands, uh, National Flame, uh, passed a lie detector test about everything he says that happened. Uh, He was asked questions about this. The lie detector test suggested that he did not believe that he was lying about his answers. Sands would later have a shady interaction with a what appeared to be a video production crew that was, and it's sort of hard to say now, but it seems like maybe they were a men in black style operation, or maybe they were also um, in on this uh, visitation, or maybe they were supernatural themselves. There are lots of different theories. Sands would go on. Uh, in his life and share the questions the humanoids purportedly asked him. They were largely specific to his life, into life in Las Vegas. Uh, he would not, though, reveal the whole of the conversation, he said, because he did not want to violate the trust uh, or the agreement, I guess, that he had with them. 
in the past 20 years, so uh, let's say 40 years after the uh, visitation from the humanoids and 35 years since his uh, discovery of bodies in a mine shaft, Sands continued to perform, raise money for charities and promote events. He died in Florida in June of this year. Over the course of his 73 years, he found the victims of a murderous biker gang in a mine. Sometimes he went by the name the Nashville Flame. He sued the National Enquirer. He says he ran into aliens in Vegas. He worked with Peter Fonda in Elvis. He was on uh, fire, literally, a number of occasions, at least once while blindfolded uh, and riding a motorcycle. He wanted to teach kids that narcotics and murder were not the way. The Nashville motherfucking flame. (laughs) What a guy. As I said at the top of this episode, I found Sands, aka the Nashville Flame, by stumbling down a YouTube rabbit hole about Nashville in the 1980s. I spent a handful of hours looking at all the footage I could that was focused on the city, uh, all that was available online, particularly from 1980 to 1990. I looked at newscasts, commercials, home video, anything else I could find. There are even a number of radio bumpers, um, some of which are hastily dated, so please accept my deepest apologies if I found something from the 1970s as opposed to the 1980s and what you're about to listen to. Um, I took everything that I found, I mashed it up uh, into a shape that's not unlike the relentless multimedia fever dream narrative that plays in the back of my head, that plays deep down in my subconscious 24 hours a day. This segment, which is meant to serve no purpose outside of the fact that it really is the sort of thing that's always been running in my subconscious, I shit you not, or, you know, or, or there's no other there's no other reason than I just thought it was cool to do. That's why we did it. So thanks to Jesse LaFontaine, who deals with all things sound post-production on our show. He really helped shape this up and make this thing happen. Anyway, uh, quickly, next week we'll be back with an actual episode In the meantime, I present this mini episode, which somehow took more time, energy, and resources to produce than the actual one. Enjoy. that automatically pops popcorn. A telephone that lets you see the person you're speaking with. And a sneak preview of some new items that aren't in stores yet. All that and more on The Gadget Guru. Here's your host, Sharon Steakley, and Gadget Guru, Andy Parr. You know, you're never too old to play with toys. That's right. And whether your favorites are high-tech trinkets or more practical playthings, we're here to show you the finest and some of the most unusual products on the market. Hi, I'm Sharon Steakley. And I'm the gadget guru, Andy Parr. George Burns in Nashville? Why well, shouldn't I be a country singer? I'm older than most countries. With Loretta Lynn and Larry Gatlin, next. Chips. Then Smokey and the Bandit move over. Dukes of Hazard, watch out. It's Nashville Grab, a world premiere movie. This country singer's been kidnapped by female convicts, and every Smokey in Nashville is in hot pursuit. It- and in Nashville, it's very interesting. There's a little cult, it seems. A small group of people 
that really is attracted to the new wave sound and then there's a new sound now called new music mm -hmm. and the new music is also a watered down version of new wave and what's interesting is this cult that was attracted to new wave music oh maybe two, three, interviewing this wonderful ago, lady on the poster here with like the small the boobs and the large bombs her name is golden summer and she is so they're going to go off and probably find something else to be attracted to it's almost an elitist thing with this small cult so in other words you're going to not only talk about the music but the people involved as well yeah the look and the sound as well the beach boys again along with uh, jack nietzsche remember jack nietzsche he's now a pornographic filmmaker in uh, van nuys california i think and that's it for right now signing off thanks a lot Tell the little woman we said hello. The National Network presents six hours of programming each day, repeated twice in the same 24-hour period. The shows run the gamut from comedy to music variety, all with a national flavor. You sit down at your typewriter every weekend and compose a letter to your best friend, a sorority sister from college. Now, sit down and compose a letter to us, and that sorority sister could be flying here for a visit. 106 WLAC-FM. There was one real hardcore punker, a young girl I met uh, over at Cantrell's Club one night, who said that her impression of New Wave, and she's rejected the whole idea totally, because now that New Wave is in, she doesn't want it. Uh, she said... New Wave is Nashville's version of the Valley Girl. Oh. And that's interesting, too. Do these people enjoy being stared at? Think you've seen it all at Opryland? Well, think again. Opryland 87 is a whole new shooting match. Two new fully staged shows, the Rootin' Tootin' Way Out West. From radio's golden age, the big broadcast. New non-stop roving entertainers everywhere you turn. And a new skin-drenching water ride, the Old Mill Scream. So come on, get off that sofa and see the all-new Opryland 87. Like you never seen it This album here, Mark of the Rocker. Tom, if we get a close-up of this album, it's available at all of your area cats' records locations. It was recorded here in Nashville, correct? Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. How, how old is this album now? Is it relatively uh, new? It's or? pretty old. It's, it's getting older every day. <laughs> I mean, as far as the release date, I like that. A lot of comedians out of work, and here's one of them. About three more. 103 WKDF Nashville. Ten in a row means more music. Some call their music hardcore punk. I call it loud. In fact, their volume was so high it shut down our camera. 
Nashville's news station. This is Eyewitness News. Today's Sunshine Award comes from Mrs. Beverly Hill Young, and she's sending it to the best mother in the world. Today's recipient, Mrs. Lillian E. Hill of Nashville, Tennessee. There you go, Mrs. Lillian. Quite cool throughout the area this morning. Uh, 52 for Lloyd Cooper, 55 by Mendel and in Oklahoma. I'm Wayne Olden. Wendy's would like to make your Christmas a classic with our big classic Christmas combo. So for a limited time, Wendy's will offer our delicious new big classic hamburger, regular fries, and medium drink for just $2.49. Now that's an offer nobody can refuse. Is this where you get that big classic Christmas combo? See what I mean? From Nashville, it's Music City, USA, featuring the top songs by the hottest performers in country music today, with host Ray Stevens, special guest Kathy Twitty, and yours truly, Jerry House. Now, here's comedian, singer, songwriter, musician, and animal lover, Ray Stevens. Thank you. Thank you. Could you hold it just a minute? Thank you. Could you hold it? Hold it! That country boy and water bits, we just want to say, if you ain't sleeping on water, if you ain't sleeping on water, if you ain't sleeping on water, you... Cool Springs Galleria and the new Cool Springs Crunk wish you a warm, wonderful holiday season. The Galleria will be home for Christmas. This is Nashville. December 30th, 1986. It's overcast today, and that's not unusual for this part of the country. We got to talk about some of them chickens. Now, you like fried chicken, I know. Everybody does. How would you like to have fried chicken on your table just about any time you wanted it, huh? Now, look, yeah, baby, you can. You can if you just listen to John or I got an offer for you that will put that fried chicken on your table in no time. The right poultry farms will send you 110 of the finest baby chicks you ever saw for the low, low price of just two dollars, 95 cents plus 50 cents handling charge plus COD charge. Now these are fine, big, husky, red top chicks. And the right poultry farm guarantees your baby chicks must be in good condition on arrival and for three months after you get them, or they will replace any of your baby chicks to fail to buy for half price. How about that, ain't that a... Travels to an average of 350 towns a year with the last real old-time medicine show in existence today. And we'll be right back to talk with him after this message. The ones should have a country home, a place that they can call their own. Filled with laughter, love, and song, a place where they belong. With the Nashville Network... Country Music Award winner George Strait singing his most popular hits. George Strait in Houston, this Wednesday on the Nashville Network, America's Country Home. We're the This is what we will listen to our audio recordings on. Compact disc players, commonly known as the CD player. I'd say within five years, 80% of all home audio entertainment would be based on a compact disc. The sound is equivalent to sitting in on a recording session and hearing it from the director's booth. It's absolutely perfect. 
Uh, there was basically no wild and subtle. Tell your name and what you do. Ask me my name, are you? And what you do. What's my name? Let me see. Okay, we ready? KTME Channel 23 Nashville, now signing off. And now, ladies and gentlemen, our national anthem. Thanks, everybody. This is National Demystified. I'm Alex Steed. Uh, we'll be back next week with an interview. I should thank Jesse LaFontaine at all times for being the sound man for this show, but uh, especially on days like these where he had to uh, take every little clip I found on the internet and turn it into something coherent. Thanks to Tim Burns, who comes up with original uh, illustrations for each episode. Thank you to Knack Factory and We Own This Town for making this show possible. And uh, like I said at the front, you should check out Mortified. We'd love to have your story. Be one of the storytellers. Get out there. Be brave. Tell things that scare you. We're here for it. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you all next week. <laughs>